broadcasting to the world, this is On Call with Chad McCall. With Chad McCall. In our show, we bring you inspiration, strategies, and insights on how to start, grow, and scale your business. It's drastically changed my life. The show is so informative. I just love it. It's honest. It's helped me grow as a person. Real talk about life, lifestyle, society, and living limitless. Learning from the top influencers across the world, along with industry experts, authorities for you to live your greatest life. It's time to level up. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Here's your host, best-selling author and mentor, Chad McCall. Welcome, everyone. I am not sure if you have subscribed or not. If you have, then thank you. Thank you. Please leave a five-star review. But if you've not subscribed, please do, because I'm going to invite you each week, as I call experts, industry leaders, influencers, entrepreneurs, and finally, those that are living the limitless life that they've designed. You may know a few of the people I call and talk to, but a majority you'll never even have heard of. They're real people sharing real stories, lessons, resources, and advice with me each week. It's never the same, no scripts, and it's always fun. So let's get going. I think today's episode is going to be one you are truly going to enjoy. I'm actually excited for you to listen. The call I'm going to make is to one of my mentors, and I've known him for, I think, around a little over 15 years or so. And I actually know a lot of smart people, but there's this guy gives a whole other level to smart. So he's written like 15 books, best-selling author. He's world-renowned speaker. And I'm not just talking, speaking to a couple of people or a few hundred people. I'm talking about speaking internationally, a packed stadiums to thousands of people and some of the biggest cities in the world. So he knows like several languages, travels the world. And there's so much more that I can tell you, but I'm going to hold that off. You're going to have to learn during my phone call with him. So here we go. Hello, Siri. Hello, Chad. Will you give Dr. Dolph DeRus a call? Of course. I would love to call Dolph DeRus. Hello, this is Dolph. Hey, Dolph, it's Chad. Chad, how are you doing? Where are you calling from? Uh, I am calling from my office and you are on call with Chad McCall on the podcast. Oh, wow. Well, okay. <laughs> That's unexpected. Well, the question is, where are you at today, Dolph? You know, right now, believe it or not, I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. It's a typical blue sky, sunny day here. I love it here. And uh, even though I travel a lot, as you know, um, I do really enjoy my time at home. Told the people before I called you, it's I enjoy calling you because I know that I'm going to get your energy. You're, you, t We talk about some amazing things when we talk anyway. And you've helped me so much. I, I bragged you up a little bit. The things I want to talk to you about today, things that they can't learn from a bio on your website, Dolph. So... I don't want to talk about any of that. I want to talk about the fun stuff. Well, thank you. And and I've got to say, you have energy too. That is just great. And it's always a pleasure for me to talk with you because, you know, no matter what you do in this world, you've got to be inspired by things. And you're one of the ones that inspires me. So it's a very mutual thing. Oh, that's a compliment. Thank you. Thank you. There's a lot of people that will be listening to this, Dolph. They're entrepreneurs. They could be solopreneurs. They're maybe starting over, starting a new business, um, or they're, they've hit a roadblock in business. So I want to get back to like 
talking to you about what got you started. Well, I'll try and keep it short, Chad. But, you know, the truth is that I came from a family that didn't really have the opportunity to go to university. So they encouraged my sister and I to study hard and get a degree because their belief was that a degree gives you the opportunity to get a great job. And with a great job, you build a career. And with a career, you can have a financial future and be financially free. So without thinking, when I finished school, off I went to university. But I was astounded during my first week at university at all the people with the degrees, the professors, the tutors, the lecturers. It occurred to me that they did not seem uniformly rich. So I thought there's something wrong with this indoctrination, this formula that degrees equates to wealth. So I took it upon myself when I was 17 to make a study of the rich. I wanted to know what do the rich have in common, thinking perhaps somewhat naively that if I could identify 30 or 40 things that they did have in common, and if I could emulate them, then I too could be rich. And unfortunately, after about nine months of the study, I could only identify two things that they had in common. It wasn't age, it wasn't gender, it wasn't religious belief, it wasn't whether you came from a rich family or not. There were only two things, and one of them is that almost without exception, the rich either made their money or held their wealth in property. And on that realization, I thought, well, I can do that. That's a simple thing to do. So I set about buying my first property. And I'll try and keep it short. Bought my first when I was about 17, and I kept on buying. And by the time I finished university, and I ended up spending an inordinate amount of time there, eight years. They say there are three kinds of students, part-time, full-time, and eternal. I was the eternal kind. After eight years, I finished up with a PhD in electrical engineering, which many of you will recognize is not the easiest subject around. And you've got to think back to my parents. Were they proud? Of course. After all their indoctrination, I'd gotten a PhD, right? And I did go to two job interviews. And at the end of the second interview, I was offered a job at the then princely sum of $32,000 a year. Um, But I didn't take the job because the week before, Chad, I'd just done a real estate deal that netted me 35000 And I remember thinking, why would anyone in his or her right mind work for 40 hours a week for 50 weeks of the year for 32 lousy thousand dollars when in one week you can make 35 and take the rest of the year off or do it again or do whatever you want to do? So I never took that job. And to this day, I've never had a job. I've fiddled around with real estate. I've tried a multitude of other deals. The way I summarized it is I take some of my real estate profits and put them into other ventures that always look very hopeful, but they never really work out. And I end up going back to real estate. So I truly believe from my own experience and what I see other people do that real estate is such a solid thing to spend your time on. It is so good because It's very forgiving of mistakes, meaning that if a thousand people at random try to do a deal, nearly all of them do well, just because real estate by its nature is forgiving of mistakes and the rising tide floats all boats. Whereas a thousand people, in my humble view, at random, that invest in the stock market, they don't all do so uniformly well. Some do spectacularly well, some some bomb, some lose their shareholding because they bought a stock that went under. Houses don't really go under. The only times that a house disappears is through an earthquake or a tornado or cyclone or landslide, and you get insurance for that in a way that you can't get insurance for calamities that take out other investments. So anyway, that's sort of the the, the brief story as to why I'm just such an ardent believer in why real estate works for many people. Well, and I remember one time you just mentioned the earthquake. I remember I called you, Dolph, and I thought, and you were at... I mean, you were. It was just after an earthquake, and I think you were in. Was it New Zealand or something like that? It happened. 
Yeah, there was a, a major earthquake there in 2011. Yeah, and we were talking on the phone about that, and I was just like, "Oh my gosh, you're going through." You're like, man, it's I'm checking all my plays, you know, and the properties that I have. And I, if people that know me on the podcast, I'm heavily involved in real estate. It's one of my passions. Let's talk about your passions too, Dolph. Like, real estate has given you the ability to do so many other things. The next step is once you you've made it, your business is doing well for yourself. Like, what did it open the doors for you to do more of? Well, I think the best thing that that freedom gives you, it, it's it's freedom to do what you want. So when you have some financial freedom, when you're earning more money than your expenses, and just a little side note there, Chad, we can all spend more money that, than we earn, no matter how much you earn. If you're earning a million dollars a month, believe me, you can figure out ways of spending two million a month. So you've got to avoid the temptation of buying Ferraris and then having a second Ferrari because the first one's only good for two people and you need a three-seater or whatever. Um, you know, you've got to live within your means. But once you have that freedom to do what you want, you can make some choices. And for me, I just, I enjoy experiencing different cultures. So I like going to different parts of the world, different countries. And I've, I've, as you probably know, I've traveled extensively. I'm blessed in that I managed to pick up a few languages. I can't, I speak six languages, which is really great. And even so, Chad, I love going to a country where I don't speak the language, where I look at a store and the sign above the store, and I try to figure out what on earth do they sell there because I can't yet figure it out. I sort of like that level of uncertainty. And they talk about the six human needs, and two of them are that we all need a certain amount of familiarity and certainty. We need to know what we're going to be eating that day and that we've got shelter and clothing and all that. And we also like a certain amount of variety. And these two human needs are at opposite ends of the spectrum. Our need for variety and something different is kind of at the opposite end of the spectrum from our need for certainty. And people fall at different points on the spectrum between the two. And I have a very low need for certainty. So when I travel, often I don't make reservations or bookings. I don't have an itinerary. I just fly into a city and see what happens. And if I like it, if I meet interesting people, if I like the the environment, if the weather's good, I'll just choose to stay an extra couple of days. And if I'm sort of feeling that I've seen it, I'll move on to the next spot. And so not everyone enjoys that. But for me, total freedom means the ability to go where you want, when you want, and stay there for as long as you'd like. And now invariably, I've got to add to that, Chad, that I can't help but mix some of my pleasures. For instance, when I'm in a a foreign country exploring and having a wild time, I can't help but look at the real estate. I don't think I even seek it out. I end up seeing it. I come across a realtor shop and then see the listings there with photos and prices and what the rental levels are. And I can't help but do these mental calculations. And sometimes I've ended up participating in a market, not because I went there with the intent to invest. I was just there exploring. But part of my exploration was to find out that real estate was so good there, I'd be a stark raving fool not to do something about it. I remember you popping up a tripod and doing a video in all these cities all over. Like, I don't know how many countries you've been to. I would probably say 50 plus or so like that. But I remember you used to do that. You'd take pictures of all this cool architecture. You looked at things differently and talk about like educating yourself, learning and overcoming barriers. Because there's people that are listening to this they're really scared of starting something new. They're not comfortable. You know what I mean? They're, they're going to be stepping into something that they may be unfamiliar with or they don't know how to expand their existing business. How do they get more comfortable and do something that they haven't done before? 
Um, you know, I think it's a process. A lot of it depends on how you were brought up. But that's not to say that if you were brought up in an environment where everything was the same constantly, you never changed houses, your parents never changed their jobs. That's not to say that you don't have to. And I think you can train yourself. I love variety, as I just said. So if you have a fixed job and you go to work every day to the same place of work, I mean, before you even think of getting a new job to have some variety, why don't you just take a different route to work every day? Instead of taking the same road, take a different one. They've got to be 50 different ways you can get to work. Try all of the 50. And that's sort of a good way to start. Try talking with people you've never met before. When you go and have a coffee, strike up a conversation. And if you're paranoid that they, they think you're on them if they're the opposite gender or that you're gay if they're the same gender or whatever. Don't worry about the worst that can happen is that they'll ignore you. They might hit you over the head with an umbrella or something, but it's never happened to me. And, you know, it also perhaps change your attitude. Look in the mirror, not from a, a vanity point of view, but just see how you might come across to other people. Because many people, I think, will be surprised to realize that even though they feel quite happy, they can come across as being quite stern. So start doing subtle things slightly differently. Talk to a few more people. Get gas or petrol at a different petrol station. Um, you know, shop in a different supermarket. You might even find products that your normal supermarket doesn't have. And you might prefer them. And just start doing things differently. And then when you go on vacation or on a holiday, take a different destination from what you normally do. I can't believe the number of people I know who go to the same spot every year and then their neighbors in their camping ground or caravan park or even hotel rooms with the same people who also go there every year from the same city that they come from and they feel they're having a holiday. To me, that's not a holiday. That's being condemned to having to share yet another week with people that you already know everything about. Go and do something you've never done. Pick a country you've never been to. Fly on a different airline. It's like disrupting, right? That's what you're saying. It's like disrupt that routine sometimes. Yes. And get comfortable with disruption. Get comfortable with things being different. And because that's the only way we'll change. You know, to me, the, the worst scenario for living a life is to have the same day over and over again. You drive the same car along the same route to the same job. You talk with the same people and gossip with the same co-workers at the same water cooler every morning at the same time, 11 a.m. You have the same annual holidays for the same two weeks every year. I mean, that's not having a life. That's repeating the same day over and over and over again. And it's just like when you've got this fascinating book to read, you don't read the first page and then go back to the beginning of the first page and read it over and over again, you want to find out what happens in the rest of the book. Well, our lives are like that, except we create what happens in the rest of our book. So do something different every day. That's a great way to think. And a lot of people don't travel like they should often. One of the things I enjoy, and you know, my wife, like she'll go with her girlfriends and they'll travel to different countries. Once a year, they pick a place to go. And that's like, I love going some places too, that are different. I don't always like going to the same place, but I was raised where, you know, we took the vacation after school. We went to the same, you know, beach hotel back East at the same week every year. It, we got into that routine. I was kind of raised like that, but I think that freedom and flexibility, I didn't realize there was a whole other world out there until I went off to college and went, so I was so far away. I couldn't go back home all the time. So it forced me out of my comfort zone. You know, some people listening to this, 
have maybe traveled a lot of places in the United States, but they've never been outside the United States. Well, they don't. And, you know, we're in the States at the moment, and I love it here for all your listeners. I live here by choice. But I will say this, that Americans notoriously are some of the, the, the fewest travelers in the world. Like for a long time, a very small proportion of the American population even had a passport. And the proportion of those who had a passport that actually used it was a trifle. Um, so, yeah, we, we tend to think because there's so much to do here, and there is, it's a great country, you can go and visit all the 50 states and spend a lifetime doing that with no need to travel overseas. But it means that you won't get to savor all the ideas you get from overseas. So here's where I love it, Chad. Here's what will happen. So I go to Japan, for instance, and I'm blessed. I learned the language as a kid. I've spent a lot of time over there. But they have some very cramped spaces. They've got about 120 million people living in a landmass about the size of California, and only 16% of the land can be lived on. The rest is too rugged. So they're cramped. So they have developed things like car parking systems, where instead of having a car parking building the way we do, where you drive up to the fifth floor, and there are plenty of wide spaces for for the roads connecting all the spaces, if you know what I mean, to drive through, they don't have the space for that. So they have these machines. It's a bit like an elevator system, a pasta not elevator, if you know what they are, that go round in a loop, except it's like a Ferris wheel, except they're squashed together. It's up vertically, then over the top and down again. So you drive your car into this thing and then get out of the car. And then the machine brings the car up to, I don't know, the 52nd slot or the 73rd slot or whatever. And you get a little credit card style thing um, when you get out of this machine. And then when you come back, you put that card in. It knows where your card is and it brings it back down to ground level and you drive it out. So no big deal. They have a lot of these. They're very common there. You can get many, many cars parked in a very small area. Do we need something like that in Phoenix? No, Phoenix still has very cheap land. Our central business district is spread out across a couple of miles and you can't really walk from one tall skyscraper to the next because they're spaced too far apart. But in San Francisco and New York, is it possible? Absolutely. So these machines aren't cheap. They cost about half a million. You might think, well, that's a lot of money for a car parking spot. But let's say we can get 50 parks in a building with this half million dollar machine. And let's say it increases the rental by $2 a foot because in New York, part of the value of commercial space is dependent on how many car parks go with that space. So you increase the rental by $2 a foot and you've got 100,000 square feet. That means the rental goes up by 200,000 a year and this machine only costs you 500,000. Your payback period is two and a half years. Or to put it another way, your return is 40% on your money and your tenants are happier. So here, my point is here's another advantage of traveling. You will come across ideas in other countries that just are not used at home and you can be the one that brings them home. And I love that aspect of travel. Don't close yourself off um, to travel, to opportunity. And that's what I can hear you saying. I've heard that come out that, you know, traveling, it's you get ideas, you start to think it's fun too. The one thing I've noticed off is you always have fun doing, you're always smiling. You're, You're never upset about traveling. You're not upset about a business opportunity. It's you're open to so many different things. And that comes from just, you know, increasing your knowledge and traveling too. Well, it's so interesting because we all have different attitudes. So I fly a lot and people say, oh, I'm so sorry to hear you're going again. Aren't those 14-hour flights just the pits? Aren't they horrible? And I look at them and I say, no, not really. For 14 hours, I get to sit in a really comfortable seat that with the push of a few buttons, I can turn into a bed. When I'm hungry, they feed me. If I'm thirsty, they give me something to drink. I can watch movies, read books, or sleep, even if it's 11 
11 a.m. No one says, what do you think you're doing? It's 11 a.m. You can talk with the person next to you or not. And after 14 hours, you land in a different part of the world. I just don't get why so many people complain about that. I can tell just from you explaining the scenario of the car parking garage and how he does numbers. Anybody lives this, see how fast he thinks. Like he is just He's on top of it. He thinks his numbers, he knows it. That's why I was talking about Dolph. Like you, you look at things differently. That's the engineer. That's that calculations. You're great at all of those things. But I want to shift and talk about something different. You also believe in helping people. I know that's something that you're passionate about too. You recently, a friend called you in need and you actually helped them. Tell us a little bit about that story because I think it sounded amazing when you were telling me about it. Oh, Yes. Okay. Well, that one's completely not related to real estate. Um, okay. So this was a, a young kid and I, I, I want to keep the, the, the person in question anonymous, of course, because it's quite a serious matter, but, um, you know, came from a very well-to-do family, but kind of fell on the wrong side of the tracks, got involved in drugs, got involved in gangs. And, um, you know, the parents obviously had been admonishing him that he should do this, he should do this, you ought to do that, you ought to finish your studies, why don't you do this, you should do that, you should change your girlfriend, you should do this. And they were giving him all this advice. And I'm sure the advice was given with good intent. Um, but, you know, when, when I was brought into the picture, they, they said, we just don't get it. I said, well, I'm sure you tell him that the drugs are wrong and, and that they're bad for him and that he should do all the things you say. They said, yes, exactly. I said, but don't you see that for him, the drugs aren't the things that are wrong. The drugs are the only thing that enables him to escape from this constant admonition that you give him that he ought to live his life differently. And they said, well, what are you saying? I said, well, basically, I think you shouldn't try and stop him doing that. You've got to replace the pleasure he gets from that with a bigger pleasure. And they said, well, what would that be? I said, well, I don't know. I haven't met him, but, you know, what does he like doing? And they said, well, he likes adrenaline activities. I said, well, then we should take him to the adrenaline capital of the world, New Zealand. And there I'll throw him off a mountain. And they said, what do you mean throw him off a mountain? I said, don't panic. I threw my daughter off a mountain and she loved it. But, you know, let's go hang gliding and bungee jumping and white water rafting and all these exotic things that you can do in an extreme manner down in New Zealand. And anyway, to keep the story short, you know, because he'd been in therapy for a while and that hadn't really taken hold properly. I've got to be careful how I formulate this, of course. But anyway, so we ended up taking him down there and um, it, it turned out to be, you know, a very beneficial thing where, and from my perspective anyway, his... Um, his need for something to, to escape all the pressures he faced was now no longer the drugs. It, it, it got replaced with these activities and it opened up his mind to other possibilities. And uh, anyway, that, that, that's a, the short story of it. Um, he, he changed his outlook on life. You could tell by his mannerisms that he'd seen a new way of living and that he, he recognized, every druggie recognizes that that's not the way forward. They just don't know how to get out of it. And the people telling them how to get out of it, they haven't been there. Not that I have. I've never been on drugs for the record. If I had, I wouldn't mind telling you. I just never have. So I wasn't even familiar with that situation. I wasn't an expert on drugs or drug addiction or how to get people over drug addiction. But I believe I know a little bit about what motivates people. And, you know, we, we have these two motivators. One is our desire to go towards pleasure. And another one is our need to stay away from pain. And it's a constant tug of war between the two. And which one is a dominant factor for you and how you lead your life, your desire to have pleasure or your desire to stay away from pain? 
And once you learn the balance between those for certain individuals and you know what motivates them and you can give them an incentive to do those things, then all of a sudden their world can change in a way that, you know, hundreds of hours of, of high per hour rate therapy perhaps can't help. And, you know, we, we do this, gosh, you know, Chad, I, I take high powered business people for a week and what I teach, I don't even know what I'm going to teach till everyone shows up because what I teach depends on who shows up and what their needs are. And then we try and fulfill those needs. And it's, it's just, it's a fascinating thing because yeah, when you can help people, when you come across someone, Chad, and you do this yourself with your real estate work, who doesn't understand why real estate is so good. And you can convince them not only that it's good, but you can induce them to do a deal. And then they call you a year later and say, Chad, you know, I never really knew what to think of it when you told me all these things. I didn't quite believe it, but I've gone ahead and done it. And I've just sold my third property or bought my fourth or whatever the, the stats are. And now I'm financially free. I've given up my job. Chad, you know this. You can't put in words how that makes you feel. You've changed someone's life for the better forever. And the reason I wanted to talk about that story, Dolph, it leads into something that's it's important to me is coaching, mentoring, training. And a lot of people ask us why we do some of the things that we do. And there's a feeling that you get when you help someone, or there's a feeling that you get from talking to people and watching their successes, but also what you're giving to them and you're staying sharp. And it, you're, we're using parts of our brain as coaching and mentoring other people too, because not everyone's the same way. Talk to me about, and, and the listeners, about like coaching, mentoring, like what's important if it's someone looking for a coach, what should they do? Well, the first thing is if you're smart enough that you're looking for a coach because you think that, you know, let me put it this way. Everyone says that knowledge is power. And I disagree with that. Knowledge is only power if you put it to use. And then the other thing they say is that experience is the best teacher. Well, experience can be a very dramatic teacher. But here's the deal for me, Chad. I don't need to experience something personally for me to learn from it. I'm perfectly happy to rely on the experience of other people. For instance, you know, talking about drugs again, I don't need to try heroin to see if it's for me. I'm perfectly happy to rely on the experience of other people. And the thing is, when you take on a coach or a mentor, you can learn things in an hour's conversation that they spent 30 years learning. And why would you not do that? That's why I also am an ardent reader of books. And I think people read too few books these days. Book reading has gotten out of fashion because we're all scrolling through social media and, um, you know, yes, thank you very much. I've, um, I, I've got these accounts, but I haven't posted Instagram in five months. I might take it up again because I thought maybe I'm addicted to it, you know, posting yet another nice photo. Why? Why? So what? You know, I've got, I think, 10,000 followers. So what? What does it matter? Because when you read a book, you might invest $20 and three hours of your life to read that book. But what you learn from the book can change the course of your life. We should read more and watch less TV. I don't have a single subscription to cable TV or dish or anything like that. I think it's a monumental waste of time with a few exceptions. And um, I used to have just free to air antenna TV and then my TV died and I haven't done anything about it because I don't watch it enough. And um, But read books or take on a mentor. And if you, know, if you read a book, it's hit and miss as to whether they can teach you what you need. But a mentor, you can guide them what you want to learn. 
So if you're mentoring someone, Chad, on real estate and they want to get into commercial rather than residential or multifamily rather than single family, you can flip the switch and go straight into that subject line. So that's the advantage of being mentored by someone. You can learn in an hour and every hour that you're with them things that would take you a year or two years or five years to learn on your own. Why would you not do it? It's so obvious. Yeah. That should hit home for some of the people listening about learning. You know, some of the listeners have, they've joined other programs. They've joined some type of coaching. They didn't have a good experience. If Talk about if you don't have a good experience with something, how do you get back up and do it again? Well, the challenge is most people think when they have a bad experience that it's a failure and the world's going to laugh at them and they're going to look at their failure forevermore. And now they see themselves as a failure and they're probably prone to failure. In fact, it's probably a genetic disposition. And let's be honest, their mother failed at this and their father failed at that and their brother didn't amount to much. And so, you know, you can spiral down into thinking that you're doomed. Or you can take the attitude of Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison, he invented many things. One of them was the light bulb, the incandescent light bulb. And he didn't just take a piece of tungsten carbide and put it between a potential of voltage and found that it lit up. No, he tried item after item. In fact, he had more than a thousand attempts to figure out how to make a light bulb. And you could say that after his 900th failure, surely he would have given up. After his thousandth failure, he would have given up. And not only did he disappear, Chad, but he didn't even consider it as failures. He said publicly that he found a thousand successful ways of not making a light bulb. And each of those was a necessary step to finding the successful way of making a light bulb work. So it's all attitudinal. And I know that if you're in the depths of a depression, it's very hard to think that way. But you've got to see everything in life as either a winning experience or a learning experience. You either win or you learn a way of not to do something and then you can hone it and try it different. And, you know, the only way I am where I am, Chad, is that I've been willing and daring enough and big enough to make mistakes. I've made mistake after mistake after mistake. Making mistakes is good. Now, to be sure, repeating mistakes is stupid, right? Don't make the same mistake twice. But it's good to make mistakes. In fact, if you hadn't made any mistakes lately, you haven't been trying enough. You know, try more things until you have more failures or mistakes. And from those, you'll learn. And then you can hone your skill and go on to the next level. Well, Dolph, I've kept you here for a long time today. Thanks for taking your time. Thanks for sharing. For any of the listeners that can follow you and learn more about you, what's the best way for them to connect with you, Dolph? Oh, the best way is just to go to my website, DolphDeRoos.com. You'll find all you need there. Um, you know, or get hold of you because you can always get hold of me. <laughs> That's right. Well, before I let you go, Dolph, I got to ask you my top three questions. You're not going to know what these are. So are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I don't know if I'll have an answer, but I'm ready for the questions. All right. What is playing on your playlist and your iTunes right now? If you were to push play, what song's playing? Oh, gosh, I should really call it up to get the, the song right now. I don't know the name. Let me see what I've got here. I've gone into this here. Um, I have got um, We Are Young, and I've got Brave by Sarah Braze. Um, I also, oh, I see here I played Sway by Michael Bublé not too long ago, and then I Want to Know What Love Is by Foreigner. Oh, great, great song. Who's your celebrity crush, Dolph? Oh, my gosh, my celebrity crush. There are so many. I mean, but, but then I'm blessed. I get to meet some of them, you know, so... Um, you know, there's this French announcer. I knew it was going to be someone that I would have never heard of. Yeah. 
Her name is Michelle. She's um, an announcer on a, a French station. I just adore her. Her mannerisms, her style. Although the French have a thing about style that is hard to emulate for anyone else. So, um, you know, and if you if you don't know what I'm talking about, get yourself over there. We have this attitude that the French are uppity and all that. No, just go there and learn a few words, even if it's only bonjour and pardon, and sit yourself down in a cafe and meet someone. You'll be stunned <laughs> at what happens. Last question. You've been 80 countries plus. Have you ever been to a place at any time where you were absolutely just terrified? I mean, you're not a type of guy that's going to get scared of anything. That would, like, have you ever been something that you're like, oh my gosh, like I'm freaking out right now? Oh, absolutely. I was in Guatemala, which is a, a country that I love. I went there for the wedding of an attorney of mine. He was from New Zealand. He married a, a woman from Honduras. I actually went to the wedding in Honduras, but it was easier to fly into Guatemala to go there. And I was walking down the street. I'd just got myself a cup of coffee. I wasn't in a shady part of town, and it wasn't a bad time of day. It was a Saturday morning about 10 a.m. I was next to, believe it or not, a, um, a Navy SEAL, six foot four. And this car pulled up and the two near side doors opened and these two guys got out and I had a big shiny silver 45 stuck in my belly. Why they stuck it in my belly and not my Marine friend, my, my Navy SEAL friend, I still don't know. And they proceeded to take everything from us, our wallets, our phones, and my backpack, everything. And there was a guy with a shotgun no more than probably three meters away, 10, 12 feet. And you know what he did, Chad? He turned and faced the wall the other way because he didn't want to get involved. And I don't blame him because he probably knew that even if he did interfere and there was a shootout or whatever and, and you know, we survived, that the bad guys would have come back the next day and said, there's the pig who, who defended those tourists. Let's, you know, let's take them out. Let's take him out. Um, but anyway, I was petrified because I knew in that moment that on a whim, if this guy panicked or twitched his finger, you know, it would be the end of me. That was petrifying. Absolutely petrifying. That's a scary story. You know, I didn't know that one. That's, you know, you've been, like, I know you know you've traveled everywhere. And I always wonder if, uh, you know, sometimes because you're going off to these places and sometimes you go by yourself. I just wonder if you ever ran into any crazy situations. Oh, yeah, plenty. That's just one of them. That's probably the peak. And it just goes to show because I knew the country was dangerous statistically. But when you're in the center of town and I was staying at the Clarion Hotel where two weeks prior Clinton had just stayed, meaning it's not a shabby hotel. I thought I was in the good part of town, a good time of day next to a Navy SEAL. What can go wrong? And it can turn on a dime in a heartbeat. So, yeah, stay safe. You know, be very vigilant. Well, Dolph, thank you so much for your time. I hope people stay connected with you, follow you, see some of the amazing places you go, the photos you take, and just learn more about you and some of your amazing adventures because there's so many more. We could talk for days and days, and I'm going to have you back on. It's always fun talking to you, and uh, thank you for doing that today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. And yep. give me a bit of warning next time, but I've got the feeling that we'll end up doing more things together, so I look forward to that. Oh, we sure will, Dolph. Thanks. And don't forget, you're always on call. All right. <laughs> Thanks so much, Chad. Talk to you soon. I really hope you enjoyed this call with Dr. Dolph DeRoos. You could just hear it in his voice, the passion he has for his life and sharing his experience with others. If you're interested in following him on his journeys, make sure you go to his Facebook page, Dolph DeRoos, or DolphDeRoos.com. If you want to hear more calls just like this one, please subscribe to the podcast. And if you're already subscribed, thank you, thank you. And I will see you on the next episode. Remember, you're always on call. 
Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe and remember friends, you are always on call.